receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you receive the spirit of sonship. There it is. And by him we cry, Abba, that is Father. Romans 8 verse 15. We've been brought into God's family. It's no longer presumptuous for us to say, Our Father who art in heaven. He is our Father. And since we're born anew, we do not revert back to the old slavish and sinful lifestyle that Paul mentioned earlier in verse 7. The sinful mind is hostile to God, does not submit to God's law. I wonder, how long have you claimed a membership in the family of God and yet you're just as unfaithful to him in Christian duties as the day before you confessed conversion? If that's you this morning, then there's something drastically wrong. If you're a child of God, you're going to be a follower of God. You're going to be obedient to his word. You're going to love his word. You're going to love him. You're going to seek to know him more. Third response is given in verse 17 and 18. Now, if we are children, that's, that's the question. If we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we might also share in his glory. I consider that our present sufferings are not worthy comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. As believers, we must develop a resignation that things are not always going to go well with us in this hostile world. Our metal is going to be tested. Jesus put it this way, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace, but in this world you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. John 16, verse 33. The cross did not crush Christ into oblivion. And persecution will not destroy you. You're clad in the armor of God by which you can extinguish the fiery darts of the devil. Even when they come from your so-called friends, or possibly even from your own family. We're shielded by the grace and goodness of God. And then a fourth response. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans, that words cannot express. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with God's will. Romans 8, verse 26 and 27. You know, adopted children petition God for the not yet adopted. We do. We pray for the lost. We pray 
for that arrogant rebel, that arrogant mocker, those God-haters who still comprise the people that we love. This is not an exercise in futility. James puts it this way. Confess your sins to each other. Pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. James 5 verse 16. I would almost say that no one is ever saved apart from God's people praying for them. I say, oh, I would almost say that because I don't know for sure if that's the case, but it seems to be a truism. So do not let the evil one suggest to you, ah, your brother, your sister, they're, they're a lost cause. Well, he or she may be lost now, But the cause of their salvation is God's grace, and that's just around the corner. Isaiah says to the lost. Isaiah the prophet says to the lost. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Now, did Isaiah not know that they can't seek? They don't want to seek? They have no desire to seek? Of course he knew all that. But he still says... Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him when he's near. I'm not going to call on God. Well, you need to call on God. Let the wicked forsake his way and the evil man his thoughts. Can they do that? No, but he tells them to do it. Let him turn to the Lord and he will have mercy on him. And to our God, for he will freely pardon let me read the rest of the text for my thoughts are not your thoughts neither are my ways neither neither are your ways my ways declares the lord as the heavens are higher than the earth so are my ways than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts isaiah 65 6 through 9 it's good to look at verses within context isn't it you know, just pull something out of the, the Bible and quote it. He's saying that in reference to seek the Lord where, you, where all you may be found. If you seek, you're going to find. You ask the question, well, what if my name is not written in God's book of life? You know, those are some of the thoughts that you're called upon to forsake. It's not your business to know in advance the answer to those kind of illegitimate questions. Your business is to do what God commands you to do. What does he command you to do? Seek God that he may be found. Call on him while he's near. Forsake your evil ways. Turn to the merciful, pardoning God because his thoughts, his ways, are not your thoughts, but they're beyond your comprehension. If you obey his call, you leave the rest to him. 
What I am saying is don't get sidetracked in the minutia of the what-ifs. The what-ifs that Satan suggests as possibilities. What if, what if, what if? You know, God is the God of the impossible. So whatever you think is a roadblock to you coming to Christ and finding forgiveness and salvation, whatever you think that roadblock is, let me tell you, that's just something the devil's thrown up. That's something your flesh has thrown up. That's something the world has thrown up. Your enemies of the soul throw those things up. But God is saying, no, 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 no. Come, seek, you will find. That's the goodness and the power of God's saving grace. God is going to have an adopted family. If you go to the book of Revelation, the last book of the Bible, it's called an innumerable host which no man could number. Innumerable. It isn't a few people that are going to show up in glory. It's millions and billions of people. Say, well, what about the people in hell? Don't ask that question. You don't want to go there. That's an illegitimate question. What you need to ask is, will I have my name written in the Lamb's Book of Life? Will I be part of the heavenly crowd? Will I be among those witnesses, Hebrews 12, that can testify to the grace of mercy of God? God is not saving a few little people. It's nations of people. Think of it over time, to be sure, thousands of years, but he's saving nations of people that will populate heaven. Will you be among them? Our Lord, we thank you and praise you for your word. Please bless us with the truth of it to sink into our heart. Adoption. Well, we might have standards of adoption that would exclude children that are not completely whole health-wise. Maybe mentally they have impairments. Certainly personality. They might be rebels, hard to get along with. They have to have a change of nature and a change of thought, change of attitude. But Lord, you take people like that, and that's what we are. We're all those things. You take us like that, and you make us anew in Christ. You grant us the forgiveness and the repentance that we desperately need. You change our attitude. You make us willing, the scripture says, in the day of your power. So I pray you will do your work. I pray that you will not allow us to be sidetracked by all the what-ifs that Satan is going to throw at us as possibilities when they're not really anything that he can control. God is the God of the impossible. And if we come and obey God's call, if we believe in our heart and trust God to do his work, not looking to ourselves, not looking to our own righteousness, not even looking to our own faith or our own repentance,
but trusting God to work in our heart and make us anew. If we are willing, you, O Lord, are faithful. You're faithful, even according to the roster, when we're not willing. You're going to do the work in us. I just pray that we would seek it. We would want it. Firstly, for your own glory, for you are glorified in every soul that is saved. Every single person is precious in your sight. And it's also for our good, because we are drawn into the kingdom of God and promised a seat at the table. We're like Mephibosheth, with crippled feet. Saul's son. Nobody wanted him. And David says, I want him. I want him to eat at my table. I want his land restored to him. I want all that Saul's grandson is entitled to. I want that to become a reality. And I'm the king. And what I want goes. Well, we think of David's greater heir and yet his Lord, the King of kings and Lord of lords. And what he wants goes. And he can take us with our crippled feet, our rebel hearts, our stubborn wills, and seat us at the king's table. Lord, do that for us today. Draw us by your spirit, we pray. Amen. Our closing hymn is from the Brown Hymnal, number 352. 352. Let's stand again.
Amen. Jesus did it all. Came upon this earth. Die for the sins of his adopted brothers and sisters. So that in John 15, he calls us his brothers. Marvelous thing. Well, if we're brothers, then we're heirs with God and joint heirs with Christ, Paul says. If you're an heir of Christ, you're an heir of the King of kings and Lord of lords. Amen. See you tonight, 6 o'clock. We gather downstairs for our study uh, with R.C. Sproul from death, from dust to glory. Dust to glory. And we're looking at uh, an expose from the book of Genesis right now. See you tonight at 6. Thank you.